I've talked before about my two subscription clubs, the Murder Mystery Quilt and the League of Dressmakers. Um, the League of Dressmakers in particular is very close to my heart. It is a place where I feel incredibly challenged and convicted and um, inspired and adventuresome and playful. It gives me this opportunity to explore lots of sewing concepts and techniques and dilemmas in ways that I would probably back burner otherwise, right? Like, I mean, that's definitely, that's definitely something we do. We, um, we tend to set aside certain sewing problems until we absolutely have no other option besides to learn how to do whatever that thing is. And I love the idea of a group of people who have all said, you know what, I want to learn how to do that because I want to know how to do it. And that, that really is what the League of Dressmakers is to me. On this episode of the Wit Stitch Podcast, the League of Dressmakers, and a little bit about where it came from, where it's going, and how Me Made May factors in. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Whip Stitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. The League of Dressmakers is an online video sewing club complete with a library of 250 plus sewing videos, PDF downloads, exclusive patterns, and community to help you be fearless in your sewing. You can find us at League of Dressmakers. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of Dressmakers.com. In 2010, um, I gave birth to our youngest child. Um, and so when I was becoming a mother for the last time, um, 2010, we, uh, I opened a store, a whip stitch, the Whipstitch Retail Sewing Lounge on the west side of Atlanta the same year. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure that our baby was three weeks old at the grand opening. I think that's right. Um, I published my first book, Stitch by Stitch, the same year. I was writing it through most of my pregnancy. Um, and we finally sold our house, I think maybe six months later, six or eight months later, um, certainly within the next year. Um, so point being, in 2010, I, I really was feeling inspired and creative and productive. But in that year... I launched my first e-courses. And keep in mind, this was 2010. So the idea of an online learning module, an online class, was pretty new. There were really not a lot of, I mean, these days, you can, there are online classes for every, there are online classes for how to do an online class these days. But in 2010, it was a pretty new idea. So I, I had very bare bones delivery. I had a password protected website and there would be a blog post with a video. The video was hosted by like a secure server on the back end and I would embed a video player. <laughs> it wasn't YouTube or anything like that. It was, it was 2010, super bare bones stuff. And when I was doing these e-courses, I would launch them for six weeks at a time and I would open up registration 
Uh, maybe a month ahead, I guess. I, I actually don't really remember that. Some of you may remember better than I do how far ahead you could register for the class. The class would last six weeks, and there would be one lesson each weekday for six weeks. And I created the lessons in real time, which is to say that if you had a video on Wednesday for a class about sewing with knit fabrics, I made that video on Wednesday. Like it wasn't a live stream because there really wasn't any live streaming in 2010, but I treated it as if you were coming to a classroom and I was teaching you in, in real time. Um, and it was exhausting. Oh my gosh, it was so much work. Um, I, I spent years as a school teacher, so for me, the idea of structuring the content creation in any other way, I didn't really, my brain didn't naturally go to that. I really thought of these e-courses as this is a six-week class and you're taking it in person and I'm delivering all of this stuff um, in real time. Over time, as I would teach each of these classes, because that was that was like my mindset, I would start from scratch. So even if I offered the same class twice, which only happened a couple times over six years, um, I would it would be new video and new it would be a new blog and a new everything was new. Gradually, over between 2010 and 2016. Gradually, I created a website that would archive them, and I started thinking more about having them be on demand because, because I'd already done the content. And so as, as e-courses, as online learning evolved really rapidly over those years, as the ideas about how to host the video and how to host community interaction and, um, and feedback from instructors, like how, how all that grew, I started thinking about it differently. And so I created, I created an e-course site on, on Whipstitch, so it was sort of associated with my blog, where you could, you could join these classes at any point and work through at your own pace. And, and I both loved and hated it, right? Like there was, it was really appealing to think, you know, I don't have to deliver this content in real time. But that meant I wasn't meeting everybody at the same time. So somebody might come in to learn, you know, to take a summer wardrobe class or um, sewing clothing for kids or something like that. And they would come in and, and I wasn't meeting everybody at the same moment. So they weren't meeting one another at the same moment. The community part was really lost. Um, my ability to provide feedback and interaction with each person, encouragement and support, that changed pretty radically by making it an on-demand class. And, and I missed it. I missed, I missed this like, today's the first day of class feeling. And I missed, you know, getting comments and feedback. And I missed the interaction. And I missed, I missed doing live events and things like that. So when I launched the Murder Mystery Quilt, which I knew would be um, an online club, I knew that was the way I wanted to structure it. I, I really, I sort of felt like, I think I've used this analogy before, that I sort of felt like when you have all your favorite stuffed animals and you can't not have them all on the bed because you don't want to hurt any of their feelings. I felt like that about garment sewing, that here I'm launching this club for quilt makers, which I was really excited about, this idea of solving crime while you sew a quilt. I thought it was really fun. Um, but what about the garment sewers? Like, 
that's how I came into sewing. That's that's where I learned to sew. That was my first love. Um, was was making clothing for my body, and I kind of felt like, oh, you know, they're gonna be left out, and I didn't want them to be left out. What would it look like? What would it look like to structure a club, a membership club, for garment sewing? And and so initially, the League of Dressmakers, it was the League of Adventurous Dressmakers to start with. Initially, I pictured it as this is still um, all the e-courses on demand, except I never thought, <laughs> guys, I never thought about using the e-courses I'd already taught. I pictured it as I'm going to make a brand new e-course every month. Like it didn't occur to me that I already created a lot of content. I, I made content from scratch. So for almost three years, 2016, 2017, 2018, all the way through there, every month it was a brand new video series, a brand new downloadable PDF, um, a live chat, and um, just really exciting community-centered content where the members, the current members at the time were the ones who were dictating what content was being created. Um, and it was so exciting and invigorating. And ultimately, it was really convicting. Because working with my members at that time asked me to consider what are the areas of sewing that are ignored or forgotten or overlooked? Where are the, where are the donut holes? Right? Like, so when I was writing my first book, Stitch by Stitch, also in 2010, I approached it as the, that the reader of that book were, was the same student that I would get in my intro to sewing classes. Some of whom would come in and be like, these plug in, you can plug in a sewing machine. So I, I noticed, I learned very quickly from teaching classes um, in person, face to face, back when we did things face to face. Um, I learned very quickly that there were some lessons that teachers forgot to teach because they forgot what it was like to not know how to do that. For example, how to sew in a straight line. I looked in book after book after book after book after book, and I could not find resources that included lessons for how to maintain a straight line of sewing, which seems absurdly basic. And yet, you know, I think when you've been doing it for 30 years and you've become like this incredible couture designer or sewing teacher, maybe you forget what it's like to not know how to do that. Um, and so when I pictured the League of Dressmakers, I felt very convicted that I was creating all of these lessons in ways where people could learn very specific techniques, but I, I was still leaving these donut holes um, where people weren't learning like the absolute basics. And so after 2018, I wanted to go back and take all of the old e-course content that I had been teaching since 2010, much of which covered those donut holes and filled them in. It would take a sewing pattern from start to finish and walk you through how to read the pattern envelope, how to determine your own measurements, how to grade between sizes, how to finish the hem, how to put in a zipper, but always in these very specific contexts of this sewing pattern. How do you make this pattern? As a sew-along, I had a lot of that stuff already, and I really wanted to bring it out. You know, it sort of, um, it didn't feel like good stewardship. A lot of that content was behind uh, an old 
outdated paywall in places where it was borderline inaccessible. Um, and so bringing it onto the League of Dressmakers platform became a real driver for me. Through most of 2020 and 2021, I was going back and going through my archives and refreshing and reshooting video and rewriting copy and redesigning PDFs to make this content that I'd created since 2010 available. It was hidden away in a place where you couldn't even get to it. But I was also thinking differently about the community of the League of Dressmakers and what all of us get out of it. Because I wanted, I wanted to create two different pathways for how you could interact with that content. One was the community driver, where I, I really wanted people to work together, like in a sew-along situation where everyone starts at the same time. You know, we're all coming in on day one and we all are kind of in the same, this is my point A and that's my point B. Like we're all traveling as a cohort, so to speak. So I wanted to make sure that the League of Dressmakers absolutely had sew-alongs as part of it. And so I've moved, ironically, I've moved from having like a, like a blog set up when you would log on to the League of Dressmakers, it would have all these different posts, and each post would include a series of videos and a downloadable PDF and maybe a pattern. And I've moved toward creating discrete courses where you, you actually enter a portal. And so you want to start the, the sew along for the Ogden Cami pattern by True Bias. Then you start on lesson one and you click through and it takes you to a whole different interface. And I wanted to create a situation visually, like as the user experience, where when Sew Along members came, or when rather League of Dressmaker members came, that they knew that they were following a set trajectory. The other thing I wanted to do was to create like like a like a like a cafeteria style where if there were donut holes that you had overlooked, that you could come and find that content pretty easily. And so in addition to creating brand new sew-alongs for new patterns that members selected, which we've done in the last two years, and um, unarchiving previous lessons that had great videos and great PDFs and great guidance, um, unearthing those and making those available, Instead of five videos in a single post, rather making five posts that you could click through that were highly searchable on the League of Dressmakers website, um, I also started making how-to, like a how-to series, where each video was just a little, a little snack, just a little tiny bit that you could dip in and be like, man, I don't remember how to do an invisible zipper. Man, I don't remember where where does it put the hook and eye? Like, I wanted there to be things where you, if you realized. And that was kind of the convicting part, right? that a lot of us realize we don't know what we don't know until we need to know it and realize we don't know it. So creating a, 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 an archive, a resource for our dressmaker members where they were able to log on and just search, search what we've got available and figure out, oh, right, that's how you do that. Part of that was inspired by um, a retreat I did back in, I want to say, 2012. The Whipstitch Shop on the west side of Atlanta did a retreat in the North Georgia mountains. It was either 2011 or 2012. And one of the women who was part of that retreat, I looked over and she was using her laptop and I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I didn't remember how to do this. So I pulled up your e-course video. 
So she's at the retreat watching the video for up-close footage of how to do the thing that she wanted to do. And I thought, man, that's amazing. I want that. I want to create a library, an archive, so that all of our members can come and find exactly what they need when they need it. But I, I wanted both. I wanted an archive of techniques alongside a community of participation. Um, and that's sort of where the League of Dressmakers intersects for me with Me Made May. So Me Made May is a, a social media phenomenon. I don't know what else to call it besides that. It's, um, it happens every year for the entire month of May that many of us, particularly on Instagram, but also if you haven't used the Making app, M-A-K-I-N-G, Making has an app um, which looks a lot like Instagram, but is specifically designed for creatives who are making things with their hands um, everything from crochet and knit and sewing and quilting to clay and painting and visual art. Um, really beautiful stuff and it's a great place to find your community if maybe you feel like Instagram isn't helping you find your community anymore. The making app is really great. And a lot of people are using the hashtag MeMadeMay or MeMadeMay followed by the digits of whatever year it is, 2021, 2022, 2023. And they'll add to it <clears throat> to help you find other makers who are participating. And the idea is for every day during the month of May, showcasing your handmade garments. And I, I know that when it started, it was a way of connecting with other garment sewers. Um, for me, I find it very encouraging to, um, to re-examine my handmade wardrobe each year. I do actually make a lot of my handmade wardrobe as sew-alongs for the League of Dressmakers. Um, and they come out during Need Made May. And that, that it's exciting for me. It's exciting for me to look at these things and say, you know, I didn't just make this because it was an assignment for an e-course. I made this as a participant leader for the League of Dressmakers that I was sewing for them and with them, but it wasn't for the purposes of demonstration. It's something that I really want to have. Um, and so Me Made May each year has inspired me to shoot for sew-alongs and projects that I make with the League of Dressmakers that are things I really want to have for the long term. Rather than, you know, this is a six-week course and I'm only going to make this pattern because I'm teaching it in this class, right? Like, I don't want to do that. I want to make something that I, I'm excited about. I'm excited about making it. I'm excited about sharing it. And the other thing that was really convicting that I noticed as a result of posting my handmade garments for Me Made May is that when I do make a sew-along, a video sew-along for the League of Dressmakers, I've developed a system where I make three versions of the same pattern. So for example, we've got um, one so along is the Carolyn pajamas, um, which I love. Very, very popular project. They're gorgeous. They've got a, a lapel and a pocket and piping, and there are pockets in the pants, and they've got a cuff, and really, really sweet pajamas. They work in every fabric. I've made them in double gauze. I've made them in rayon. I've made them in flannel. Um, fantastic pattern. And when I made them, first, I made a pair 
for myself so that I would be familiar with the pattern, familiar with the necessary skills, I could map out each of the video sections and break them down into doable chunks. Um, and then I cut out two additional pair because I had learned that as I make videos for these sew-alongs for the league, that it it's really helpful for the viewer to see a finished garment at that stage. So not that you see, oh, that's what the finish looks like, but rather this is the step we're about to sew and here's what it should look like when you're finished with it and no further. By the time we finish this video, you will have done this thing. So I show that and then I show the pieces before that gets done and then we go step by step on camera through actually accomplishing that step and then you see two of them side by side. Which means that, as a practical matter, every time I do a sew-along for a garment for the League of Dressmakers, I make three of them. And I really appreciate that every year during Me Made May when I showcase my handmaids on social media because it means I have a lot of the same pattern. And if I don't listen to the feedback from League members about what they want to make next, and if I don't really mindfully select fabrics that I love for each sample because 15 years ago I would make samples out of fabric I didn't mind getting rid of which is such an upside down way of thinking you should be using your favorite bestest fabric to make these things because you're gonna have them when you're done and um, so I, I'm really mindful about the fabrics I select mindful not just about what I want but about making them very different from one another because I'm going to have three of them. And the, the corollary benefit is that when someone is watching that video, they can see what that same pattern looks like in three different projects, in three different versions of the same pattern. And I can talk about, on video, on camera, I can talk about how you might handle a different fabric differently for the same step in a pattern. It just really builds on itself to make these rich, sew alongs with lots of resources and sort of side tips. I went through a stage um, in sort of 2010, 2012, I, where I stopped doing all of the video in real time because it was so time consuming. And I would start shooting them ahead of time because the, you know, the technology was moving in that direction where you could, you could shoot and archive and then people could view a video on demand. Um, and I went through a, a stage where I would shoot it all with no audio and then come back and do a voiceover. And I started realizing that I sometimes I would forget to share a really relevant tip if I wasn't talking at the same time I was sewing, that it was less like the experience of taking a class in real time. And so I started going back, and now when I shoot video for the league, um, there it's not voiceover, it's like me talking at the same time that I'm sewing because I, I, what I want for us as league members is this sense of we're all in this together, we're all learning together, this is a, a, as close to a live experience as we can get from all of our different places geographically um, and that maybe it's that you can't sleep and you're up at three in the morning and watching this video but it feels like I'm there with you um, it is a lot more rewarding for me. It's made my sewing better. It's made my, uh, like I work really hard with word choice 
to make sure that when I communicate something, it's not redundant. Like I think about technical writing a lot and and I, I want to be super careful that as I share the process and product of sewing clothing, that all of our league members are feeling as though they have a light bulb going off, that everything has been demonstrated in a way where they go, oh, I can do that. I mean, how many times have you said or heard someone say, I watched 16 YouTube videos before I figured out how to do this? Um, and I don't want that experience. I don't want that for me. I got stuff to do. <laughs> I have stuff. I got to live my life. And um, I don't have time to watch 16 YouTube videos. I want to find uh, an access point where I can figure out what I need to know that I didn't know I needed to know now that I need to know it the first time through. So that has become one of the really the driver for the League of Dressmakers was creating an environment where all of us feel encouraged and um, empowered to share ideas and share encouragement and share results and share trouble um, in a way that's playful and exciting. Uh, that's the other thing about Me Made May that is so valuable to me is that um, by, by showcasing, by bringing out all of our handmade clothes and sharing them with one another in ways where we're wearing them as we would in real life. They're styled. They're in context. Um, it reminds me of how fun it is to dream up a garment and to, you know, to, to think it through ahead of time and then sit down with the pattern and be purposeful and intentional about making it, but not always serious. Sometimes it's just for fun. And watching all these people participating in Me Made May feels very much to me like watching members of the League of Dressmakers share their finished project after a sew-along or bring in a completely different project where they've used one of the how-to videos to solve a, a technique problem and show it off. And it gets so exciting to say, oh, yeah, that's why we sew. It's not always about... You know, there are lots of reasons, there are lots of reasons to sew your own clothing. Getting a better fit, um, being more ecologically mindful, making things sustainably, getting away from fast fashion, uh, benefiting from the me mental health aspect of, of what sewing does for us. There are so many deep, meaningful, impactful reasons to do it. Connecting with the generations who've gone before, leaving a legacy for the generations who come after. All of that is real, and I talk about it so much. What I think I don't talk about as much is how playful sewing is, and, and that sometimes it's okay just to make a project because you really want to like fool around and make a project. And, and Me Made May reminds me that sometimes it's fun just to pick a pattern and a, a fabric that you're excited about and make something for the joy of doing it. The other thought I had um, when, when looking at the overlap, the Venn diagram overlap between this social media phenomenon of Me Made May and what, what I want to build and what we are building at the League of Dressmakers is the idea that the League of Dressmakers can be a wonderful place to start. And I always wanted it to be. I always wanted it to be a place where you could be fearless in your sewing, where the any barriers to you making your own clothing were stripped away as much as humanly possible. So that at whatever level you find yourself, skill level, comfort level, adventure level, um, that the League of Dressmakers is a, a 
the perfect place to take that first next step. Um, and I watch, I read a lot of comments because I think the comments are, I think the comments are the funnest part of social media. <laughs> um, ever since the algorithm changed, particularly on Instagram, um, I love the comments on social media and I love it getting a sense from how people interact with someone's post about where they land, right? Because somebody's comment isn't really about the post. If, you know, Janie comments on Jimmy's post, she's probably saying more about Janie than she is about Jimmy, if you follow. Um, and so I really love reading people's comments and getting a, a sense of the mm, kind of a temperature and what are the biggest concerns for people out there and what it is that um, emotionally activates them about a post. Sometimes they get excited because they'll see a pattern sewn up and they're like, oh, I made that same pattern and I love it. I love yours. Sometimes they'll see a pattern sewn up and they'll say, oh, I've always wanted to try that, but I'm too intimidated. Sometimes they'll see a pattern sewn up and they'll be like, why'd you do that? Um, and so I just, I just think the comments are really fun. Um, I love the idea that Me Made May very frequently um, catapults us forward to sew a new project when maybe we were a little bit stuck. I've noticed more than one year that I will bring out the same garments over and over. Like if I scroll back far enough to what was what did I wear last? Me made May. Oh, oh, okay, the same, the same things, the <laughs> same favorite treasured garments. And and it is it's um what's the right word? It's reflective. That's the right word. It asks me to look back on what I've made before that I love the most. What textiles did I love the most? What shapes and silhouettes did I love the most? What sewing techniques did I love the most? What, um, what garments get the most use? And why is that? Is it the fit? Is it the ease? Is it the context? Is it the fabric? Like, do I like print more than solid? Do I like linen more than rayon? And please don't ever ask me to pick between the two. Um, so I, I really love the reflective nature of looking at my posts for Me Made May. And I love observing. Somebody gave me an incredibly kind comment recently when I shared a, an outfit and said, every Me Made May, I screen capture the things you post and save them as a to-so list. And I was... It, that just made me feel so good to think that anybody is looking at the things that I'm making and feels inspired or um, encouraged or catapulted to, to do the same, to make something for themselves. Because that is what I want for the League of Dressmakers. You know, like if I'm making three pair of pajamas, I sure hope that you guys want to make pajamas because now I've got so many of them. And um, so I love the idea that the League of Dressmakers is this on-ramp, this great place to start, that if somebody is watching hashtag me made May and thinks, ah, oh, I could never make that. Ah, oh, that's too hard for me. Ah, oh, where would I even get, you know, where would I even begin? The League of Dressmakers is that place. It's this welcoming, warm, fearless community where just try. Everyone there is encouraged. Like, you know, it's, it is hard. It's hard to know how to upgrade your sewing, right? Like we all want to be, I don't think you would be listening to this podcast if you didn't have the desire to be better at sewing. 
And I mean, that is literally my byline. So better together. Um, you're too creative to let a lack of skills spoil the experience of sewing for you. But sometimes the problem is there are actually too many resources online, you know, 16 YouTube videos for one technique, that it, it's really hard to know where to go next. And, and so you want to master a new skill. You see something, it's me made May, you see somebody's beautiful Vogue pattern and it's made out of rayon and you've never worked with a sewing pattern before, you've never worked with rayon before, you've never worked with a Vogue pattern before, you've never fit your bust line properly before, you know, whatever it is that you're up against, mastering that new skill without any clear guidance can be really discouraging. And when I taught public school, that was one of the things that I ran up against frequently was that students would they would almost get like a fight or flight response where they they'd had negative experiences trying new things so many times that when they were confronted with another new thing that felt intimidating they didn't feel that sense of fearlessness or permission to try and fail they felt you know like almost like traumatized <laughs> like I think a lot of us probably have stories of feeling traumatized by a failed sewing project where it was really hard not to take it personally. It's hard not to think this was, I'm not good enough. My sewing's not good enough. My machine's not good enough. My fabric's not good enough. You know, like it's very hard not to make that personal, but it can't be about you, right? It, obviously you're good enough because you convert oxygen into carbon dioxide. You're already good enough. It has to be about the skill that you're tackling and that's fixable. Um, you know, I, I don't like wasting time in fabric. I, I don't like sewing something I don't love. I don't like the sensation of making something and never wearing it and thinking, why don't I ever wear this? Like, all of those things are really hard. So the dream behind the League of Dressmakers is that this is this on-ramp. You know, you're out there, you're looking at me, made May posts, you're really inspired and excited, but you really don't know how to get on the path to upgrade your sewing skills. I wanted the League of Dressmakers to be that because ultimately I deserve the satisfaction and enjoyment of sewing garments that I am proud to show off. And so do you. And it doesn't matter what your sewing skills are today. I want you to have a place that leads you step by step to the next level, whatever that next level is. So so I went back through the archive of all these e-courses that I started teaching in 2010 and I've rejuvenated all of them and then created the series of how-to videos because I wanted league members to personalize their video collection because you can actually go on the you can actually go on the League of Dressmakers site as a member and you can um, you can bookmark different videos and create a next a watch next list like you would on, on Netflix. And you can create a queue for yourself of, of your next videos, a personalized collection. And I wanted to create sewing patterns that were created, that were written in the same way that my book Stitch by Stitch was written with the idea that, you know, it's one project at a time. That's how we're growing and moving forward. I wanted to have an environment where you could interact one-on-one -on -one with your peers, with me, with the content in a way, so that you became fearless. You were upgrading your sewing. You get better results. Like you want to, I want to master the sewing techniques that ensure that everything I make feels great to wear. That the goals I'm meeting are my goals, my sewing goals. So I, when I look back at my social media, like at my Instagram or whatever, 
you know, why do I wear so many maxi dresses? <laughs> you know, like, I wear a lot of maxi dresses. And I like them to be like dragging the ground um, because they feel great on my body. Like it just feels nice. Um, why did I start making so many fabric belts? Because I love the sensation of drawing fabric in around my waist. I like that silhouette, but I don't want something hard or like choppy, you know, that, you know, muffin toppy. I want something soft and delicate. I love that sort of, I have this um, total sidebar, but I have this um, pet hypothesis that all of us fall in love with the styles and colors that were the most popular when we were in elementary age. And I read something recently, I wish I could pull it out of my brain right now, that I think it was Kevin Kelly, um, who's a, a wonderful inspirational writer. My husband gets his newsletter and sends me all the best bits all the time. And I think he said that everybody's favorite stuff is, uh, favorite music, um, favorite time period is from when they were 10 years old. Um, and that is so that's not quite true for me. The best music is from when I was 10 years old because I'm Gen X. So early 80s is, is it's a it's a bob, as my kids say. Um, but for, for me, like as from a fashion perspective, that sort of my birth year through the end of the 70s, early 80s is that is where it's at. And that, I love that silhouette. It shows up all over and over again. So I want to master the sewing techniques that make it possible for me to make those garments because that's what I'm going to wear the most. I want to make fewer mistakes in my sewing um, and I want the League of Dressmakers to be a place where uh, there's an archive of guidance, a library to lead you so that you can sew faster with fewer mistakes, which means you complete better projects in less time. Not because I want to buy into this idea about fast fashion, but rather because I want to give all of us freedom to be playful. I think when we make fewer mistakes from um, lack of skill, like I made a mistake because I did it wrong, we, we give ourselves more permission to make mistakes because we were adventuresome. Right? Like there, there really is a qualitative difference there. If I made a mistake because I didn't understand the instructions, that's frustrating and it's really hard not to take it personally. If I make a mistake because I'm like, I don't know, let's see what happens, that feels like Indiana Jones to me, right? That feels like swinging over the abyss. That feels like baller. Um, and I, I love that sensation, the sensation that I know enough to find out what I don't know versus the sensation of I don't know enough and that's because I'm not good enough because we are all good enough. So, you know, yeah, I really want to reframe that with, with what we're doing inside the league. And I always over and over emphasize this idea that that includes me. Um, I have gained confidence at the sewing machine that followed me out into the world. And I want that for you. The, the way it feels to wear a garment that feels good, that fits well, that I'm excited to put on, and then on top of that, you get the icing on the cake of somebody saying, oh, I love that, and you say, thanks, I made it myself. There, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I know how discouraging it is to spend time and money spend sewing a garment that I don't love that or that I never wear. And I had to work through, like, the emotional part of evaluating and analyzing, like, 
why don't I ever wear that? Why don't I like that very much? And what it feels like to donate a, a garment that you've made and like that represents 30 hours of my life and I don't even like it enough. So, um, so the League of Dressmakers is, it really is dear, dear, dear to my heart that I want to offer videos and guidance to lead you to more satisfying sewing, better handmade clothes, a personalized playlist of videos that target your donut holes, the places where your skills are missing out, so that you can sew the best clothes of your life. And I cannot think of a better time to do that than Me Made May, when we are all surrounded in the best way by inspiring and exciting visions, photographs of handmade garments in the context of real people's lives that are styled to be worn out into the world that catapult us to start new projects that maybe we wouldn't have started otherwise. So if you haven't joined the league yet, come play with us. Come play with us. It'll be, it's, yeah, it's so fun. The web address is League of Dressmakers. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of dressmakers.com. You can join today, monthly fee or annual fee. If you join as an annual member, I will send you a sewing journal in the mail with a little personalized note of encouragement because what I want for you is that you sew fearlessly by upgrading your skills and I can't wait to see what you make next. Have fun, everybody. Music